Tonight we're in uh, Psalms 55. Um, this is another Psalm of David. Um, and this is uh, a Psalm that deals with, uh, once again, uh, showing David's anguish, his pain, of what he's going through with uh, those that are against him. This Psalm's a little bit different. It's not just David's enemies that he's... Uh, uh, talking to God about and, and very concerned about, but he's going to talk about a betrayal that has happened to him of someone that's close to him. So this is something that's uh, emotionally devastating for David. Um, there's been uh, different commentaries who uh, will say when this time was. Some thinks it's during the time of Absalom. And Ahithophel, um, and and what took place with that rebellion. Uh, I think there's some things in this psalm that uh, might say otherwise. Maybe um, it could be, but I don't think you can pinpoint it down to that. Uh, maybe it's some event that's not recorded for us. But it is about someone that's close to David that has betrayed him, and David is really feeling the pain of it. And I think there's some things that we can learn from this from David. Uh, that we can uh, make application to our own life, I think. Um, but we start here in verses 1 through 3. David says this, Give ear to my prayer, O God. Do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me. I am reckless in my, restless in my complaint and moan noisily because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they bring down trouble upon me, and in wrath they hate me. Um, as I was reading some things about this, different ones said that this is another time where David feels distant from God and that he's, he's calling on God to, to kind of come back to him or get back in that right relationship that David needs to be with him, that God can hear him. I, I don't really see that. In that terms, I think David here, when he's requesting God to hear his prayer and, and don't hide himself from his supplication, I think David is just going to God and, in essence saying, okay, here I am again because of the oppression that's coming against me and I'm, I'm asking you to hear me once more. I, I don't think, I, I don't see that David's questioning that distance that he has with God. I think he's, he's just stating to God, I, I need you to listen to me. I need you to hear my supplication. I need you to know what I'm going through and what I'm facing. I think in essence he's may, maybe saying, okay, we need to really get down close to this to where it's not a, a, just a physical thing that David's doing, even though even the motions is taking a toll on him. David is just, I think he knows that God is the only one that truly understands what he's feeling, how hurt he is, how, how devastated he is because of what's going on here. Um, but one thing that is clear to this, David is doing what he always does, and that's that he goes to God. When David is struggling, when David is going through a trial, when David sees the world closing in around him, he knows there's always one place he can go. And that's to God. And I think that's a great lesson that we can see throughout the Psalms. Uh, David always goes to God. He, he goes to God and, 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 and getting back to a right relationship with God. He, he understands what God needs for him. As far as when I say needs, 
needs David to do to be in that right relationship because God is holy and, and, and we're to be holy and, and the way we're holy is through God's instructions of doing what he says. So David makes different prayers to God uh, of doing that, of showing that repentance, of showing that change to be able to come back to him. But we also see through David different times of that close relationship that he feels with God. If you notice these psalms, and, and they are psalms, they're, they're prayer, but they're songs, uh, you notice how, how comfortable David feels with ex totally expressing himself to God. He doesn't leave anything out. He's not talking to God like he's talking to a stranger. He's not talking to God like he's just you know, giving God the, the high points. He, he, he's bearing his inner feelings to God. Now, God knows what he's going through, but, but we need to express that to him. That, that's the great thing about prayer. I, when it comes to prayer, I think that's, aside from salvation, of course, and, and the uh, uh, abundant life that, that God gives us the opportunity for, what, makes, what really separates, I believe, us from the world makes it different when we go through these trials, when we go through even joys in our life. We can talk to God anytime. We can go to Him with anything that we need. We can go to Him with any joy that we're feeling, any heartache that we're feeling, any emotional trouble that I can't put into words when I'm talking to someone else. We can always talk to God about it. And as David expresses himself here, he's bearing himself out and going to tell God, this is how painful this is to me. This, this is how painful. You see this, you know, this relationship that David has with God but David is explaining it from the human terms, the fleshly terms, of how hard this is. How heartbroken he is by one, seeing all the evil that's around him, but most importantly in this psalm, someone that he trusted him stuck a knife in his back, you know, by what he's doing to him. He, he's just devastated because of it, and he's expressing this to God, and I think that's a great thing uh, that we can learn from David. Let's look, look here, starting verse 4. He says, my heart, he goes in and, and starts telling about how, how hurtful this is. He said, my heart is severely pained within me, and the terrors of death had fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. So I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. Indeed, I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness." I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Uh, there's been several that suggest um, that this is something Jesus could have said when it comes to his relationship with Judas and what took place with Judas and all the suffering that, that Jesus actually went through. Um, and I think that's, you know, I got to thinking about that when I was reading. I forgot who it was uh, that made a couple comments about that relationship. And I, I've never, I'll be honest, I've never given that, that great deal of thought. When I think of Judas, I just think of Judas being betrayed. But you think about the time that Jesus spent with him, knowing what he's going to do and, and, and the interaction that they had, but still having that betrayal there, um, that had to hurt. You know, the fleshly side, that, that, had to, that had to mean something when it come to that. And here you see David as he's expressing, notice how he says, My heart is severely pained within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. 
Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me. Horror has overwhelmed me. How else could he said it? <laughs> I mean, this pretty well explains how awful this is. Now, here's what David says. This is so bad, I want to get away from it. I, I, I want to be like a dove, fly away. I want to go into the wilderness and stay. I want to get as far away from it as I can. And I think that truly shows the human side. Because when we feel... Uh, when we feel pain, when we feel something going on, and, or maybe we have a betrayal that happens to us, what do we want to do? We want to get away. Sometimes we think if, if we move, sometimes we think if we change our location uh, that the situation will be better, the pain will go away. But does it? Just because we move locations, it, it doesn't do it like that. You know, at, you know, individuals, you'll see individuals do that in church. Uh, and I think that's kind of how David is talking about someone that's really close to you. So you have a brother or sister in Christ that betrays you or, or, or you lose their trust or does something to you. Instead of really trying to work it out, what we want to do? We want to cut and run. We, I'll just go somewhere else and that make it better. What do you think ought to happen somewhere else? Well, yeah, we're humans. People's going to let us down. That People are going to do things that hurt. People you think wouldn't do anything to hurt you. They'll hurt you maybe by accident, maybe on purpose, maybe by a lot of different reasons, but people will. We're human. We'll let each other down. But how do you handle that? Do we cut and run? Do we go to God about it and express our feelings and then try to help work that out? You know, what do we want to do? I think David is just expressing just what everybody would want to do. Here's how awful this is. I just want to get away from it. You know, I, 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 just want to, I just want to leave. I, I just want to get away. And if I just get away, maybe I can outrun the hurt. Maybe I can outrun the pain. Well, you may get out of the physical location, but if I say if I move from here to Alabama and I got hurt here in Tennessee, will I still feel that hurt in Alabama? Well, of course you will. You, you can't outrun that, but you may try to get away from the situation, but, but you can't... Uh, it still stays with you. But David here is just saying, I, I, I just wish I could go away, remain in the wilderness, and, and just get away. What he's saying was, if I was by myself, then maybe there wouldn't be anybody to, to try to kill me, wouldn't be anybody try to hurt me, wouldn't be anybody try to deceive me. If I could just stay by myself, well, doesn't the Bible tell us we got to live in this world? You know, if we live in this world... How do I live in this world but not be a part of this world and do the things of this world? That means I'm set apart. I'm justified. I'm sanctified, right? So I'm different than what the world is. So when something like this happens, how do I handle that? Well, I think we do it like David do. We express ourselves to God. We, we get it off our chest. We do everything we possibly can do. And then we give it to God to do what needs to be done. You know, it, it's, it, it really goes back to what we've talked about several times in the Psalms. You know, it, it comes down to, I, I can only do what I can do. I can't change someone else. But if they don't change, there, there's a consequence for that. There's vindication for, for the Christians, but there's consequences for uh, those that are doing evil. And I think that's what we're going to see here with this Psalm as we do many times with David. Um, but can you just imagine David here? I mean, he's talked about in other songs about God pulling him from the pit. 
about how in despair he is, how, how, how low he is. And now as he describes this, you know, he's, he, he's just as down as he can be. He said his heart is severely pained within him. Well, does that mean physically something's wrong with his heart? Or is he heartbroken? Heartbroken. He's, I mean, he's just devastated. He's, you know, as much as, of all the things that David has to undergo, remember all the running from Saul and, and all the people that, that were after him on different times, can you imagine how small his circle of inner people had to be? And then some in that circle betray you? What will you start thinking? There's no one I can trust. There's no one I can confide in. There's no one that I can ever turn my back on. There, 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 you know, you get to feeling like there's nothing you can do that you are all alone. That you're going to have to separate yourself from everyone, and you get just so brokenhearted like that. Um, and you think about perpetually, as David did different times, doing all of these things with the evil that was coming upon him, now he's facing with that inner circle, wherever that may, whatever that may be, whoever that may be, um, now who's he got left to turn to? He only has God. But if you look, in there are several situations within Scripture that individuals that serve God, that they get in those situations to where it seems like there's nowhere else they can go but to God. Do you think there's a reason for that? Yeah, they're, they're not. Well, you even think back to uh, God training uh, the children of Israel. He didn't take them from Egypt and just drop them right off in Canaan land, did he? Remember, one of the first places they went were trapped by the Red Sea, where the Egyptian army was behind them, Red Sea was in front of them, didn't have anywhere else to go. What'd they have to do? Be still and see how God works. Why, why do you think God took them to that spot? Why do you think he needed them to go through that? Yeah, first and foremost, for us to serve God and be truly committed to God, we can't do any of that if we don't trust him and we're not willing to go to him. That, 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 that's the thing, and I think that's what David is dealing with here. God is never, ever going to let you down. He may be the only thing you think you have left, and, and you very well may be in certain circumstances that, that God is always the one that you can turn to. But God will never let you down. You can always trust Him. And I think that's what He was telling children of Israel then. Before you get into this, before you start going through the things you're going to have to face, trust is the number one thing you have to do. Because you have to be committed, you have to be obedient, and you can't do that without trust. So if you don't trust God to know that even when it looks hopeless, there's still hope, then what else do we have? So David here, when he's, he's losing trust in someone that's close to him, the first thing he does is go to someone he knows he can always trust in. Now David knows that he's let God down, but he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has never let him down. So who else could he go to? So in, in him expressing this to God, 
I think there's a couple of things with this. One, he's expressing things to God that I don't think David could tell someone else. Could a, could a king go around telling people how, about his weak moments? Could he tell them about, you know, I'm just feeling this is how... they got to have a certain persona about them, I would think, to be in that kind of authority. So you just can't go around expressing this kind of feelings around. So David always can do this with God, and he, he lays it on the line several times to God. He doesn't leave anything out. You know, he even tells God, you know, search me to see. You know, at that one time where he's saying, you know, they're saying I've done this, but in this instance, I've not done anything wrong. You can search me and see. You, you know me, God. In this instance, I'm not, I am righteous in this instance. So David didn't care to bear it all to God, even if what he bared was kind of ugly. And, and what God's, he showed God, David knew that it wasn't what it should be. And then you think about, you bring up a good point with Jesus, you think about even his inner circle, who he could count on. Think about when he went in, to, uh, uh, went in there to pray and he, he left three out there to watch, come back and they were asleep. What did he say? You, you couldn't even stay awake? You couldn't, you know, he, he, he's expecting something, he's needing something. He's up there on the cross. What do they do? They scatter. They, you know, the human side's really coming out here. You know, it's this growing process. And who could Jesus at that time really trust? You know, you, you think about in his darkest time in the flesh, what did he do? He went to his heavenly father in prayer. You know, that's, that's the example. That's what we're supposed to do. And maybe we don't do that enough. Maybe we don't tell God all of our troubles, all of our trials. And, Things we go through. Do you think also, I mean, just my heart is severely pained with this, and the terrors of death and all that come with this. Do you think it's also an example of God has to tear you down and then build you back up? And, you know, we see this men that go into military. The first thing you do is they break you down and then they build you back up, and then you, you have the Well, yeah. Well, I think he's getting to the point. If it was with Absalom's uh, rebellion and uh, Ahithophel of, of of what he did and and that whole process of advising Absalom, if if it if it say if it was that, you start thinking from David's perspective. Okay, I was able to get away from Saul, I was able to do this because I had these around me helping me and all this. Now those that I trust are going to do this. Maybe he's looking at it now. 
okay, death's coming, and now I'm, I'm starting to get afraid. I'm, I'm not understanding the plan here as much as I did. You know, uh, uh, and I think that very well could be it. I mean, you, you start, he's probably thinking about that a little more now. Well, it's, it's one thing to say you trust in God. It's another thing to have to. And uh, as they say, that's where the rubber hits the road. You know, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it, and I think that's, that's the key to it all. You know, uh, I, I really enjoy studying things about, uh, matter of fact, it's one of the favorite things that I like to interject in sermons and things is, is that, Trusting and knowing, okay, God's able to do this, but even if I don't know, I still got to trust him. I still may die, but I still got to trust him. I don't know what he's going to do during this moment. I don't know exactly what to pray for or how to get through this, but I know he's able to. I know he's always got my best interest, whatever happens. And that, if we can keep that at the forefront of our mind, there's really not anything we can't face. Even death, you know, that's, sometimes we have this um, uh, imaginary uh, idea that because I'm a Christian that I don't have to face the pain like, pain like everybody else does. No, I still may have to face the pain, I just don't have to face it alone. That, that's the difference. I've got somebody there with me. I've got somebody there that I can talk to through it. I've got somebody who can get me through it, not necessarily keep me from it. Because there, there's a big difference in that. When we start thinking God's going to keep us from everything, and then when we don't, then our trust level goes down, doesn't it? Then our, our, our obedience follows that. Because if I lose the trust, I'm going to lose the commitment, and I'm going to lose the obedience. So it, it has to be the trust part. And that's big talk standing up here, but it's, it's a lot harder when you walk out those doors. You know, to truly say, okay, I'm going to do it. Well, what kind of news are you going to get tomorrow? What are you going to face tomorrow? What are you going to go through tomorrow? Well, are you going to be able to face it with that same kind of trust? But sometimes that's what it takes. As Titus was saying, Paul was alluding to, sometimes those things is what it takes for us to truly see, okay, I wasn't there yet, but now I can be. I, I, I wasn't as faithful as I thought I would be. You know, that's, that's, that's what I love about Peter. You, know, you see Peter's faith as it builds up goes down builds up goes down Peter's like I've got faith I've got faith I've got faith whoa wait a minute <laughs> not as much faith as I thought oh I've got faith I've got faith I've got faith well well nope still not as much as I thought not as much as I said I did you know and then it had to build up to a point to where he had to truly face and I think that's what he was facing when he uh, uh, denied Jesus I think he thought they were going to arrest him kill him too crucify him too so he was afraid of dying so he denied him so it had to get to that point. And if you look from that point on, something changed with Peter, didn't it? Something was a little different after that when Jesus had the next conversation with him. Then he had to learn something. You know? And I think that's what we see with David here. In, in that trust in God, David has faced a lot of things, but he, he leaves it in the hands of God. He, he, he has that trust for God. But here... 
I, I believe Jeff's right. I believe he's struggling to the point of now he's thinking more on the physical terms of he's going with this emotional, but now he's thinking about death a little more, and uh, he needs to get, get this off his chest to God. Yeah, 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 yeah. I tell you, that, that phrase, uh, that, I mean, that ought to be on every one of our refrigerator. We don't know what God's going to do. We're still going to serve you, you know. Can you imagine that? I don't know what he's going to do, but I'm not serving you, you know. So there you are. Uh, that's what we have to get to, absolutely. Look, starting in verse 9. Destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues. For I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls. Iniquity and trouble are also in the midst of it. Destruction is in the midst. Oppression and deceit do not depart from its streets. So now he's starting to observe the things that he sees. And he says, it's getting so bad. I guess he's saying, go back like he did Tower of Babel. You're going to have to confuse their language and scatter them out. They, they can't all stay together like this anymore. Look how bad they're getting. Look at the things that they're doing. They, they, I've seen violence and strife in the city, he says. Day and night they go around, it in, uh, 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 go around it on its walls. Iniquity and trouble are also in the midst of it. He said it's everywhere. Some versions actually talk about this being in the marketplace. In other words, David said you can't even walk down the street and not see it. You, you can't walk down the streets and not see all this. So what he's telling God to do you need to destroy. You, you, need to, you need to do something. Now, and we've talked about this many times, is there anything wrong with David talking to God about his enemies like that? Talking to God, here it is. And you see that throughout Scripture of, of you know, Christians crying out, how long? How, how long is it going to be before you do something? David here is basically saying, in this city, how bad's it got to be? You can't walk down the street, and it's not like that. We, we say this a lot today. I, I was hearing some on the radio as I was going to work this morning, and, uh, you know, there, there's one bad thing after another, one bad thing after another, one bad thing after another. The time I got to work, I was in just, you know, worked up in a frenzy, just thinking about it. You know, I'm thinking, how, how, how worse can it get? You know, really, you hear this constantly over and over and over again, and you think, you know, how, how far is God going to let it be? And then the next thought comes through my mind is, okay, maybe that's exactly what we need right now to get us back to God to face things like that. And I tell you, it's a shame, and I, I was guilty of this to an extent, but by and large, what do people mostly know about David? Bathsheba and Goliath. Uh, a big victory that he won, a big, uh, big no-no that he did. And that's basically 
what people go through and, and just think about David. One of his high points and, and his low points. But you start getting into the Psalms, you start really seeing the man and, and, and start seeing what he faced, his relationship with God, and it, it really kind of changes things and helps, I, I think, helps us as Christians to see, okay, one, there's hope for us. Here's what we do when we mess up. Here's what we do when we go through trials. And, and here's how we get close to God. And that's what David did. He, he just strived to get as close as he could to him uh, uh, because of the things that he was facing and his love for God. Now, look, starting in verse 12, he gets into uh, why he's so upset. For it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide from him. But it was you, a man my equal, my companion, my acquaintance, we took sweet counsel together, walked to the house of God in the throng. Let death seize them, let them go down alive into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. Whew, that's pretty rough, isn't it? Notice what David is saying here. It's not an enemy. I, I could expect that from an enemy. I know how to handle an enemy. I, I can hide from them, I can run from them, I could, I could do this, it's... I, there, there's things that I can do. It's not someone that I hated, that hates me because if they do something toward me, I'm going to expect that. So it's nothing new. This is different. This was an acquaintance. This is someone that I was close to. This is someone that I worshipped with. This is someone that I was close to. And they did this to me? He tells God, this, this is what needs to happen. This is how bad they are. This is how deceitful they are. I mean, David is he's hurt, he's angry, he's, uh, I mean, he's just going through all kinds of emotions here, and he's letting God know that this isn't just a, a, a normal thing, this, this is something that's, I don't know how to deal with it. Because I, I could deal with the enemies that's coming, I could deal with all of that, what do I do now? What do I do with this? This is what needs to happen to him. Now, do you think David was wrong in saying this? Notice what he says. Let death seize them. Let them go down alive into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. Well, if you look too, he says, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. This person is pretty wicked that he's talking about. And we know what the destination of the wicked is if they don't change. And he, he's talked before he wants God to be able to stop their efforts in doing that. Um, I think when you get to this, I think that's where I have a little trouble thinking it's uh, the situation with Absalom. Um, I don't know, maybe David would say that if it's, if it's about that. I think that's, that would be even a little harsh for him in for that instance, I would think. Um, but maybe not. Uh, uh, maybe it is about that instance. But um, you really look at, uh, I mean, you can really see, I mean, you can almost picture David like you're, you're standing there with him as he's talking to God, and you can see the expression on his face. You can see the hurt in his eyes. You can see the anger in his clenched fist when he's, when he's talking. You can see all these emotions going on. Uh, and I think that's normal because uh, if someone hurts us, what's usually our first reaction? Someone that's close to us. Heard about. Yeah, heard about anger. You know, you, 
you don't want to show the hurt. So what are you going to do? You're going to lash out. You're, you're going to show the anger. You're going to show that emotion because you don't want them to know that it hurts you. And, and I don't think David's going around telling this. I think he's just telling God. But I, I think that that's our first emotion. We, we're angry. I don't want somebody to know that, that they hurt me. That's a, uh, there, there's two emotions that I, I just I don't know how to deal with a lot of times. It's embarrassment and hurt. I, I don't know how to deal with those. I, you know, anger I can deal with. It's not right, but I know what that looks like. I know what that feels like. Happy, I know what that feels like. You know, the, you go through all these emotions, and David here is, is feeling this hurt, so he's got all these emotions at one time coming, is, is hurt and, and devastation, and, just, and now it's turned to anger because anger is what's going to help him feel a little better at the time. And I think he's expressing, expressing that to God. Job did the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Job, when he was going through all his pain, he, he I mean, he, he got a lot off his chest. Um, so it does show the human side. And I think it's good to see things like this because it, it helps us to say, okay, they had these emotions. How do I deal with my emotions? Because emotions is a big part of how we live our life. You know, it's not just the actions. Those emotions can lead to those actions. So it's, and, and David here... I like how he's doing it. I think he's containing it to expressing it to God, going to God first, telling God all that's, that's here. Uh, you know, I, I think that's, that to me is why he's a man after God's own heart more than anything because he bears everything, <laughs> you know, the good, bad, and the ugly part. Oh yeah, even when God dealt with him, he didn't, I mean, when he expressed what he needed to do and knowing he didn't change, he didn't say, well, that wasn't my fault. He didn't make all these excuses for it. He knew exactly that God, once again, did, did what he needed to do. Uh, let's look at verse 16 and on. I think we're running out of time. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud. And he shall hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. For there were many against me. God will hear and afflict them. Even he who abides from old, from of old. Because they do not change, therefore they do not fear God. There's a couple main things that I get out of this part of the passage. One, notice how when David gets this off his chest, he leaves it to God. David's not going to take this on his own hands. He's not going to say, here's what I'm going to go do to them. Here's what I'm going to do. He's talking about what God's, he, you know, on God's part. 
So he said, I, I'm, I, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray to God. I'm going to go to God with this. Uh, God's the one that's going to handle this. And uh, he leaves it with God. So David doesn't take vengeance in his own hands. He, he, when we say numerous times, he could have done that with Saul, and he didn't do it. So David's not going to take these things in his own hands, but he's saying, here's why God's going to do this, because they do not fear God. Here's the root cause of why these evil people are doing this to David, doing the evil things they're doing, because they don't have any fear of God. That's what it boils down to. They don't trust in God. They don't fear in God. They don't look to God. So why wouldn't they do the things that they're doing? Why wouldn't God do the things that he says he's going to do to them? Because they're wicked. They're not changing. They're not going to change. So if they stay down this path, God is going to do what he says he's going to do because God says he's going to do it. And David trusts in that. David trusts in both sides of the plan, the side of uh, redeeming and the side of condemning. He, he, he believes in both of that because he believes in God. Here's what's going to happen, destruction. Here's what's going to happen, everlasting life. David wants to be on the everlasting life side. Because he sees where the wicked's going and he knows what God's going to do. So David is, is once again trusting in God. But even after spilling out all these emotions, he's still living it, leave, leaving it to God. He's not taking this into his own hands. And I think that once again says things uh, about David's character. Uh, what are we on? Verse 20. He has put forth his hands against those who were at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn with a sword. Now he's going on saying this is the kind of person this was. This wasn't somebody who just comes right out and does it. This is someone who's smooth about it. This is someone, as he says about his words, his mouth is smoother than butter, but war's in his heart. His words are softer than oil. Here's what he says, but here's what he's going to do. You know, here, here's, you know, the, he said, this one's you got to watch. Not the one that comes straight at you, but the one that has these smooth words. ones who's kind of going to uh, get you comfortable so they can stab you in the back. He said, this is how evil uh, this individual is. And notice how he ends here. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O God, shall bring them down to the pit of destruction, but bloodthirsty and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. It's almost like David pours his heart out, and he says, I'm leaving it up to you. They're going to get their due. I'm confident now. I can move on. <laughs> I, I'm just going to trust in you. Here's what I'm going to do. It's, it's just like he got it off his chest, and now he feels better. You know, he's told God what he needs to tell God. He's confident that God's going to do what God's going to do, what more can David do now? So now he, he should be able to just say, I trust in God. Any final thoughts? All right. I appreciate you listening.